What's up, everybody? This is uh, Alex Lee with the Motivated Podcast. This is actually the very first ever Motivated Podcast episode. Um, So today we're just going to be telling you guys a little bit about what we're about. Um, This podcast is dedicated to people who are motivated to change their life, whether that's through fitness, whether that's through entrepreneurship, or they, they just have some sort of mental health issue that they want to get better. Any way you want to improve your life, any aspect, that that's what we're here for. We'll be providing value, teaching you tips, tricks, and different things you can do in those different venues, whether that's how to count macros, different exercises for weight loss, or on, on the entrepreneur side, how do you get started? How do you keep going? How do you manage staff? How do you know when to scale? And then just for mental health, different coping skills and mechanisms that I personally use that have helped me change my life. Um, so t- on today's episodes, we're going to dive into the fitness aspect. And this is going to be a three-parter going over pretty much my life story and how each segment of our of this podcast pertains to me and the experiences I've had. So on the fitness side of things, I, I grew up very, very fat. When I was a baby, I was 12 pounds. I was obese my entire life. At the age of uh, 13 is when it got really bad. I was eating anywhere between five to 10,000 calories a day. I was uh, about 30% body fat. At 12, I was 275 pounds and five foot. Just imagine that for a second. I looked like a straight up yoga ball. My dad's stomach and my stomach were the same size. We wore the same in t-shirt size. At the age of 13, I remember like it was yesterday, I was playing around outside, went and got a general health checkup. I was in a foster, I was in a group home at the time. So we had uh, checkups every three months that were mandatory. So I went to the doctors as a standard checkup, went back to the group home um, about an hour to two later. I was playing around, running outside, hanging out with my friends, you know. One of the staff comes up to me. The look on their face, I won't forget it. They looked like somebody had died when they came up and talked to me. And they pulled me aside and they said, Alex, you need to go to the hospital right now. We just got a call from the doctor and your blood sugars were unreadable. They couldn't even fucking read my blood sugars. So naturally, I I get panicked a little bit. They take me to the hospital. I, I feel fine, keep in mind. I had no idea what was going on. I felt great. So I go to the hospital, I'm laying there, I'm like, why the hell am I here? Get me the hell out of here. I don't, I don't want to be here. This is crazy. I'm fine. The nurse looks me dead in my eyes and tells me, Alex, if you don't sit down right now and let me put this needle in your fucking arm, you are going to die. Your blood sugars 
are above a thousand. You are in diabetic ketoacidosis. Your body is shutting down on you right now at 12. So I freak out. I don't know what the fuck to do. You know, I'm sitting here like, holy shit. I have no, no family there, no nothing. So the nurse sticks the needle in my arm. They start pumping me full of fluids. About 10 to 15 minutes later, I really feel it. I start getting really, really, really sleepy. So I go to sleep and I wake up in the ICU hospital, hooked up to a catheter, hooked up to every needle you can think of, every machine that you're on in the hospital, I was hooked up to. And they, they explained to me that, Alex, your eating habits and your lifestyle choices have resulted in you becoming a type 2 diabetic. This was the worst case of type 2 diabetes in the minor that they had ever seen. It was so bad they could not distinguish they could not distinguish between type 1, which is the hereditary one, which is nothing you can do, and the type 2, which is self-caused where you can revert it through diet and exercise. So for about three months after, uh, let me backtrack a little bit. I was in diabetic ketoacidosis with uh, a blood sugars of uh, over a thousand and ketones that were clogging my shit. After that, I was in the hospital for about two to three weeks. They, they went through, told me I need to change my diet, need to get more exercise, and explained to me pretty much all about diabetes, counting carbs, counting fiber, told me that if I don't change, I, I'll lose my eyes, I'll cut off my dick, a whole bunch of shit. So I get released after three weeks of being in the hospital. I'm sent home, now having to take... 80 units of Lantus, which is, which is a shot. Um, it took two syringes to get this one shot, so I'd have to get two shots because my insurance didn't cover the, the bigger 100 milliliter noodles. And I also had to give myself a shot every meal I ate, which was a sliding scale. I'd have to count the calorie or count the carbs and do that accordingly. So I'm 12. I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. I, I'm, I'm going to live forever. So I continue with, well, actually, no, I stuck with the diet and stuck with the shit for a good two, three months, maybe. And then after that, I was finally just like, you know what? Fuck this. I started eating really, really bad again. Started eating really, really shitty, not exercising and ended up in the hospital a second time. This time I was again in diabetic ketoacidosis. I was probably 13, maybe 14 at the time. Ended up in the hospital again with, with diabetic ketoacidosis. I get released, go back to doing good for a little bit. They, they switched up the insulin. They got me on metformin. I'm doing okay. My body, I'm still fat as fuck. I'm still 25% to 30% body fat and I kind of stay there until I'm uh, 16. And then at 16, uh, I got all this freedom. I had my own jobs and stuff, and I went back. I worked at John's Incredible Pizza Co. I won't forget it. I would eat an entire pizza with donuts 
every day for lunch. Every single day I had an entire pizza and donuts. And I'm a diabetic, you know, still eating this shit, still 30% body fat. So I ended up in the hospital again. This cycle pretty much repeated itself until I was about 17 when uh, I finally was like, you know what, screw this. I've been in the hospital four or five times now on life support, diabetic Q-acidosis. I'm fat. I'm ugly. I'm depressed. Uh, I'm not happy. Also, at the same time, I was going through some family issues. I got into some conflict with my parents and... Uh, they ended up pressing charges on me for breaking a brick. So I ended up in juvenile hall. The juvenile hall, the charges I was processed with were a misdemeanor vandalism of under $20. I was supposed to be released within one week. That was the maximum amount of time that they're supposed to hold you for for that charge. Due to my diet, no. So they released me into something that's called the CRC, the Crisis Resolution Center, the Koinonia Crisis Resolution Center. They were supposed to find a foster home for me to go to until I'm 18. Unfortunately, no foster homes wanted to take a diabetic kid who's 25 to 30% body fat who has a tendency to end up in the hospital once or twice a year. So the CRC only holds you for 30 days. I was there for 36, still no foster homes willing to take me, still no, no nothing. So I finally just said, fuck it. They had rules. I, I was supposed to go to school and do all the fucking goody two shoe shit. And I finally just said, fuck it. Went out with the girl, smoked hella weed, came back hella high. And they kicked me out, of course, of the cornea. So I ended up back in juvenile hall. In Juvenile Hall, they told me, we cannot hold you longer than your, your sentence is worth. The max penalty we can give you is one month for the crime you committed. I was there for one month. And then they explained to me, unfortunately, there are no group homes, foster parents, or fucking anybody in the state of California who wants to take on the liability of a diabetic, fat, obese kid. So I was stuck. There, there was nowhere for me to go. It's not like they could just release me onto the streets and let me figure it out. I'm, I'm a minor. So they, they kept me in juvenile hall on a misdemeanor charge for three and a half months. I was in solitary and max security in juvenile hall where my cellmate was a murderer. The only reason I was there is because I was diabetic and they had to keep their eyes on me for three and a half months. At that moment, during that time is when I finally said, you know what, fuck this. I am tired of being fat. I'm tired of letting this happen. Like this is crazy because of my life choices and my blatant disregard for self-care and just letting myself go like that. I was literally getting punished with jail time for being diabetic and fat It is what it comes down to. I was literally in jail for two extra months because I, I, I was diabetic and fat, you know, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. So I completely decided to start taking fitness very, very seriously. 
Like I'm the type of person who goes all in, all or nothing. As soon as I made that decision, I've hit the gym every day. That was three and a half years ago. I've hit the gym every day, consistently. Well, not every day. I've hit the gym at least five to six times, five to six times a week, every week since I started this goal. Most of the time, I hit the gym seven days a week. So I was in jail, fucking pumping out push-ups, doing sit-ups, started eating right, started doing all that. I've been very consistent with my diet. As soon as I got released, I started feeling... I started feeling better in jail. I had so much more energy. I, I was so positive and so happy. So by the time I got released, I was still big, but I was in better shape. They, they released me to a group home in LA, which I was there for three months. That They were the only people who would take me until I turned 18. So I was at the group home for three months. I took my fitness extremely serious while I was there. I would dieting more hardcore than any kid at that group home. And luckily I was able to use my diabetes as an advantage in that situation. I was able to be like, hey, I'm diabetic, so I need to eat special foods. You guys need to go to the grocery store and get me these foods because this is what I need because I'm diabetic. So that worked out really good. I was able to be on a very special diet. I would eat very, very low carb very high protein and very, very clean. I had zero juices, zero burgers, zero pizza, zero fast food, zero fucking bullshit. I was eating super clean. I hit the gym every day and I I started feeling great. Fast forward three months, I leave the group home in LA. I'm starting to look really good. You know, I've lost some weight. My jawline starts showing, you know, I got a little V going on down there. I started feeling really good. So I get released. I get into a program called, uh, I forget what it's called, but pretty much it's for former foster youth kids who on their 18th birthday are still in foster care. They allow them, they'll pay for an apartment pretty much for you where you, where you live by yourself and they start teaching you those adulting skills. So I got released there. Uh, I continued my fitness journey. I was living off of EBT at the time. So I would eat three eggs, two protein bars for lunch, a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast, and taquitos for dinner. Consistently hitting the gym, consistently going. Fast forward to now, about three and a half years later, I've gotten down to 10% body fat. I eat shit, my diet now, I eat an ice cream every night to get my macros, you know. Like, it it takes hard work and consistency up front, but now on the back end, having a six-pack fucking shredded, it's worth it. Like, I I cut out all juices, burgers, pizzas, processed food, fast food. Once you cut all that bullshit out, it's going to suck for like three months. And then after that, your taste buds start adjusting to the new foods. Like, I honestly prefer a bowl of fruit over a fucking creamy chocolate sundae now just because my taste buds have adjusted to that um so so yeah that, that that's pretty much it for my fitness journey you know i've went from being a type 2 diabetic oh there we go that that's lost my train of thought for a second but i went from being a type 2 diabetic to now being 
10% body fat. I've complete, almost completely got rid of my diabetes. At this point, I'm taking zero insulin. I take 500 milligrams of metformin, which is a pill, once, uh, twice daily. And my A1Cs are actually below the normal A1C. I'm actually experiencing more, experiencing more hypoglycemia than I am diabetic because I'm, I'm dieting right, I'm exercising good, I'm killing this diabetes, so I need to just start lowering and lowering my meds until my A1C gets up there. So yeah, that, that's pretty much part one of uh, the Motivated Podcast where we explored more of the fitness explaining you guys about the fitness journey, my fitness journey, why I'm passionate about fitness, and why I feel like everybody should at least have incorporate some part of fitness into your life. Because it's not just about the looking good, the losing body fat, the hitting the gym. It's, it's about the consistency. If you can be consistent with fitness, you can be consistent with everything. Fitness is, is one of the only things in life that you can't have it handed down to you. Having a six-pack Greek god body, your parents can't give that to you. You have to put in the work day in, day out. Be disciplined. Eat right. Exercise. That's the only way to get it. That's why I feel like fitness is very, very important. It teaches you the skills for life, for entrepreneurship, for getting over mental health. And you'll notice all three of the subjects we talk about – they intermingle. I believe those are the three key things to having a very, very successful life. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and end the podcast here. And I hope you guys tune in on our next one where we're going to dive into more about the entrepreneurship.